out of the top and just straight downhill. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great Tell start. me that's not a good Great intro. Start. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to the Your Ideas Suck podcast brought to you by Flexibility. As usual, today we are joined by Eric Hansen, veteran designer, mountain biker, and recovering Xbox fanboy. Boy. Also, uh, Nacha, product leader, entrepreneur, and typewriter enthusiast. And there's a link in the document. <laughs> Oh, it's you, just me typing I mean, something that's special. Oh, it's, it's just, you typing. You know, okay. I, have, I have to have references. Yeah, you got a hyperlink. You can't see the, the, can't see the, the typewriter there. It, it's a YouTube video of you typing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a COVID thing. I was, I was, I, somebody asked me, my my friend asked me, like, I, I want to hear what it sounds like. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll record it. I throw it on YouTube. I got more views on that thing than I expected, just like typing on a typewriter. I realized. Well, now, I, now I have to see how many views you have. Get a good sound setup. I got to do like an ASMR thing with the typewriter. Yeah, you can get those. Have you seen those ASMR mics that are shaped like ears? Oh, yeah, that's what I need. Those weird ones. Yeah, yeah. Those are weird, though. I can't, I can't, I can't stand looking at them because it just looks like it's for, you know, sex things. So I just can't. <laughs> can't bring myself <laughs> off to a great start <laughs> <laughs> well, this the, is unvarnished, the unvarnished yeah, opinion yeah. is what you get here <clears throat> <laughs> okay well do we want do we want to start with the news um i think we have you know a very topical subject for one of our news items yeah, I think um, we can. I, I can. I can start talking. I, I think we talked about it last time, but it uh, it continues to be a be an interesting kind of evolution with uh, with Chat GPT. Um, I think the last time we talked about it, uh, it was it was getting used for um, you know responses on dating sites and dumb shit like that. Uh, <clears throat> but I think some interesting things have happened with it since then, and, and I actually don't. I should have looked. I don't know if notion is using that as its integration for its ai piece there but like i think people start to get really creative with how ai chat can like help them in the way that i've i've continued to play with it um because i'm an introvert and a loner is uh, it is my it is my little buddy that i bounce ideas off of that at least kind of sparks thought you know i'm not going to take what it takes and copy and paste it into anything but it's an interesting way to to have a pseudo conversation an AI muse. Exactly. Right? Which I think is actually a, a decent way to to use that. I mean, everyone thinks it's going to take all of our jobs, but um, I don't know. I think it's it, it's a, it's an an interesting tool to to help kind of move thought or things along. Yeah, I guess Jeff, GPT won't tell you that's a terrible idea, so that's a good thing, right? That's that's my normal <laughs> response. Well, yeah. The interesting part is like <laughs> um as I think about like more newsworthy stuff instead of just how I'm using it, um, like the monetization, like the, the scramble for that is going to be, that'll be interesting to see what they try to do. I, there was some rumor that it was like $3 million a day just to keep it up or some shit like that. I don't know how real that is. Ooh. It's got to take some serious processing power and it's got hit. It gets hit by so many people. Like I'm sure there's some nice bill, uh, coming to somebody on jet GPT. Yeah. Some AWS, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I've got some friends that like just can't like they won't they can't even create an account right now. Like it's they, it's too locked up. So I think they're they're throttling it for sure. It's crazy. <laughs> and I, I love the idea of using it for a dating profile. Oh, what were you gonna say, Ryan? No, I forgot that uh, OpenAI OpenAI also does uh, Dolly. Yeah, so that's all sort of the same. Did you <clears throat> did you see the news article uh, about the guy that did like a children's book in a weekend? Using GPT chat and and Midjourney, 
Yes, I did. That was um, it. Looks amazing too. It looks cool. <clears throat> you should uh, you should see some of the. So when my son was here over uh, over Christmas, we went on uh, Mid Journey and had some fun with uh, uh, trying to get it to produce um, hamsters uh, with weapons. Nice. <laughs> That's uh, funny. I've been. I, I subscribe to Mid Journey. I love that shit. I I, I uh, I've been so. I was close. sitting in a meeting. I was. Yeah. There you go. You can you can use my you can use my login. Um, no, I was uh, I was on a call, and you know like a Zoom call like this or whatever. And and the guy, uh, our coworker was on. His name is Dimitri, and he normally wears his hair like in a tight ponytail, but it was out. And so somebody's like, "You look like a metal version of Fabio." <laughs> and I thought to myself, what a great mid-journey prompt. And so I went in, Metal Fabio, and he's like, well, he's a little skinnier. So I was like, skinny Metal Fabio. Oh, my God, that hamster is adorable. <laughs> That's It's so beautiful. I love this. This, yeah. this is this is stunning. There's there's the – sorry. I'm, I know I'm interrupting you, and I don't care. No, there's that's no okay. That's okay. <laughs> the modeling on the fur is perfect. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Anyway, go ahead. No, no. So all I was going to say is I put in, I put in like skinny metal Fabio with like round <laughs> glasses, which is what he was wearing. And like, I got an image that actually looks alarmingly close to what he looks like. Like we weren't that far off. <clears throat> That's great. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've dabbled in it. I've, I've actually been using it for like music stuff because it can mm. spit out like chord progressions. You can like, tell it like, Oh, I want a chord progression that's similar to this. You can like mess around with like lyrics or you know, like all sorts of stuff like that. So it's definitely cool to to play around with. I really like the muse idea, right? Like that's just like, you know, to spark thought. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. as I think about it, like we think about the voice interfaces, right? Like like uh, Alexa or Google or whatever. And, um, and we think about something like Jap- chat GPT. You can almost imagine that sort of like, future where you have that little ai companion that's like rolling around next to you all the time you can kind of talk to or bounce ideas off of like it feels like we're not that far off from doing that you mean siri might actually be useful someday i mean i don't want to go that far (laughs) (laughs) but uh home pods came out um i'm so fascinated by this product because it's it's or it's coming out um, February 3rd, February 13th, something like that. Like it's, it's coming out really soon. And I love the idea that they like analyze your room and they'll adjust their sound quality. I remember the review on the first town pods. Oh, did it come to you, Eric? Is this the, it, it's Matterport. Sorry. Oh, Matterport. Matterport. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, uh, and so, uh, the, the reviews on the first town pods got an amazing acoustical rave. Yeah, but they're just expensive as shit. So I was looking at this thing, and I'm like, "Oh, this sounds sexy." The movie is is amazingly produced. If you haven't seen the little clip of of out introducing the product, but then it's like, if I want two in a home, it's six hundred bucks. Worth it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I have a I have a friend who's like a, a frequent Apple early adopter, and he's the only guy I know that bought an original HomePod and like day one, um, and he loves it, one. and and he loves it. But I'm mean, uh, sure it sounds great. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's one of those products. I'm honestly surprised that they even did a second gen of it because it, it's just not one of those products that's like for the mass market. I feel like, I feel like well, maybe the the mini is. I'm actually surprised they didn't like rebrand the mini as the normal one and then like do this as like a HomePod Max or something. I would, I would be curious on like the 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 division in terms of like 
the segmentation of people that buy it for uh, a voice assistant and people that buy it for audio. Oh, I would totally. I mean, the the people that I know that at least bought the first one bought it for audio mm. over over the speech assistant. Interesting. I wonder if that's the difference between Google users and Apple users, if you can simplify Maybe. it that much. It's also possibly just because it sucks. Like Google's home automation isn't there, right? Well, I think- no, but like it, the it, it's not there. But their their assistant is more effective than Siri. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Completely agree. That's what I mean. Like, if you bought a HomePod, you almost certainly bought it for audio because Siri's bullshit right now. Okay. Yeah. As far as like functioning in your home, yeah. right? Like, I don't think I don't think it can do anything meaningful at least compared to something like Google. Yeah, and HomeKit's trash too. So. There you go. On that topic. <laughs> okay, yeah, let's I, am I allowed to click this link now? Yes, click click the link. So this is this is a moment of truth. This is I think it's pronounced Mutalk. Oh, what are you doing, Nacho? This is 100% real product by the way. So as you're as you're observing <laughs> as a person who as a person who like prides themselves on being uh, 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 I don't know. I, I want to call myself a music producer, but like, you yeah. know, dabbles in that shit. Yeah. I, there's zero chance that this doesn't make your voice sound like absolute shit. I was really hoping that it was a way to sound like Bane from, from <laughs> Honestly, Batman. that's probably what you sound like through it. Because <laughs> that's that's the only thing that would make this cool. Does it, Are you supposed to be able to talk and people can't hear you when you're using it? Right, that's exactly right. So it's like this canister, which looks like a big Yahtzee cup. You put it over your mouth with a strap, like a like your headset. Looks like a fucking and it's supposed CPAP. To, yeah, <laughs> it looks like it's like worse than the seat. Like it's bigger. It looks like it's heavier than the CPAP. Can you and imagine so this I, and a VR headset on at the same time? Their photos. Their their photos. <laughs> That's exactly what they're promoting. Oh my god! No, I can see it. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> He's got like these one. Oh my god, dude! So. I already have a favorite. I always run to the comments on videos like this because they're so good. My favorite comment is, you will eat the bugs. You will live in the pod. You will wear the muzzle. <laughs> it's, it's like, it feels like, you know, with the, with the VR headset, it's like, have you seen the picture of the cows where they strap the two VR yeah. headsets to the cow's head? That's yeah. how it feels. That's what we're yeah. all going to be. This is just a feed box. You're just going to put like, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. How long before some gamer puts Doritos in there and just like, it does feel like those like microphones, feed, those I feed need, bags. I, I need, it needs to, it needs a camelback hole for, for an attachment there. <laughs> and I'm going to need like a sour patch kid dispenser in it. There you go. And I need my like ready player one suit. Strap <laughs> <laughs> me in. This full product. Matrix. Yeah, exactly. You're, then you're all the way in, right? At that yeah. point, you're, you're all the way in. I, I think, you know, I, I shared this with friends at, at my at my company, and they were just like, this cannot fucking be real. No, this absolutely I, cannot be real. I'm it's so real. over this timeline. I want a new timeline. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's 100% real. The part of that video totally that's my favorite that's is real. when the guy doesn't strap it, he just like casually carry, puts it in his mouth as if like you're in a meeting, and you're in a Zoom where you can see someone's face, and you're going to like... Like cover your mouth <laughs> to have a conversation. Like it's so oh, stupid. Love of God. That's yeah. That that's my thing with it is like there's zero chance. Have you guys seen Spaceballs at some point? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. You know, in yeah, in the, the radar scene, there's like I can't remember. Like there's zero percent chance that the mic. <laughs> you know, it, it has to sound like that. 
when you, you put it on. adopted the dog. <laughs> I was born in it. <laughs> okay, let's let's hop into our topic for today. So, uh, our topic for today is it product owner or product manager? Uh, what do these terms mean, and what should you expect when working as part of a team with people in these roles? Who actually owns the product? What does own even mean? What does what does manager even what is mean? Life? What does it all mean? Mm, what does it all mean? <laughs> we, what was so, um? Oh, go ahead. No, yeah. So I mean, this is a topic that we we actually came up with in a you know a conversation just between us and casual channels. Just like what what does this mean? Like every company we've been at, it's it's different roles, it's different people, different responsibilities. So yeah, Nacho, feel free to to jump in. Well, before before I give like what I will call the definitive answer, ha. Uh, um, um <laughs> what what how how have you guys seen the difference uh, differences in the roles so cuz some people will say it's seniority some people will say it's area of focus some people will say it's strategic like um, I'm kind of curious what, what what did you come to the table understanding the roles of product owner and product manager are you want to go yeah, first I mean, Ryan? yeah, yeah. I, I touched on this a little bit in you know our our conversation but I mean at least in my experience it was sort of like the difference between uh, inbound and outbound. Um, and I know that this isn't the correct answer and I know that I'm going to get corrected. By that. No, no, that's the, okay. So the, inbound and outbound but, is like inbound yeah. is like internal products. Is that what you mean? So like, I mean like their, their focus. So, um, okay. companies that I've been at that have had both of these roles, the product manager is, is somebody who's focused externally. They're more focused on relationships with customers. Um, you know, more of like the, the research side of that, um, maintaining those relationships and things like that. Whereas the owner is more in like the day-to-day product development side of things. Um, I think that's pretty much the best way to describe what I'm getting okay. at. Is that is that your understanding too, Eric? Or did you did you have a different understanding when you when we brought broached it in the in the group chat? Right. So I, I came to this um, maybe with a little bit more naive perspective and i'm not sure where that came from where like in my mind there really wasn't a distinction between the two other than companies decided to call the roles different <laughs> things right like that does um, happen though <laughs> yeah so it, in in my mind um you know there was there wasn't really a difference in the roles other than against you know what the what the company decided to call the people that do the job got it well so the the reason why I laughed when I said the definitive answer is because, as we know, just like UX and product, like we just don't have these roles defined well enough yet, right? Like yeah. you can say product manager at one organization and it can still mean something very different at another organization. And so the way I think about it is product owner came up from agile, right? It came up from a scrum role and the product owner was a role that you played on the team, right? It was somebody that sort of helped represent the user and helped kind of almost like like a companion to your your scrum master and product manager is supposed to be the job right product manager is supposed to be the person that takes a little bit more of a, a, a strategic look and isn't just sort of trying to keep um, the metrics in line but like you said like it's different in different companies and so um, <clears throat> I always wonder like which is the better role which 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 works sort of more appropriately like I think in a product owner coming from a scrum world, at least means that they're sort of on the ground, right? They're like, mm-hmm. they're with the team. Yeah. They're, they're hopefully like, like actively helping right with the team where I think sometimes a product manager is almost like too high level sometimes like, 
we're sort of floating at the top, worried about strategy stuff. We're not writing stories like we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like an ideal blend is 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 the product owner role is covered by a product manager. That a product manager, in addition to focusing outward at sort of the strategic and long-term things, that they're just as focused on what the day-to-day is as well. They're still writing stories. They're still in stand-ups with their team. And they're still fully engaged. Um, kind of curious what you guys' perspectives are. Um, since we started talking about it, uh, the I think the separation actually makes sense to me in, in for a number of reasons. A, I think you know, working with working with a team, keeping the team kind of in check, working with the things that uh, change within sprints or dealing with all that. I think like that's that's obviously a full time job and, and can use that uh, that focus. I also think that um, for people that fall more into the product uh, product manager role, uh, which through this conversation I have decided that. Um, is is more of a, a strategic kind of overarching role. Like those are two different those are two different skill sets uh, that probably the same people don't have. Um, so, so that separation that separation makes sense to me. I see. So as like as you expand, having someone that can stay on the ground and stay dedicated, kind of makes sense to have both of those roles. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I think uh, I think one person could could do both in a in, in the right situation in a smaller company. But if you've got, um, I think if you've got the ability, like being able to separate those, uh, isn't isn't a bad thing. And again, I think there I think there are different talents, right? I think like organizing the uh, tactical pieces of a team, executing and delivering, is is a different skill set than um, you know North Star talking to customers, doing all mm-hmm. of that kind of fun thing. So that's where the separation also makes sense to me. Or something you were going to chime in there, Ryan? No, I was, I was, I was mm-hmm-ing in agreement. <laughs> um, one thing that I've ran into, and I'm interested to hear Nacho's thoughts and like insight on this. So, you don't I like I, my thoughts, fine. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, grab, grab, grab some of those sour patch kids. That's right. That's right. Um, <clears throat> you know, I I've worked in companies where there's where there's separate roles and. It's always interesting to see what people think their responsibilities are and what their authority is. And like, that's really what my question's around. So, mm-hmm. when they are separate roles, how have you like, have you encountered this where there's sort of like this question of who is deciding when we do things and what we're doing? Oh, and yeah, absolutely. The power struggle there. Cause I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely power struggles. I think, I think. So there's, there's, I think, a couple of really interesting things to dig into. So one, you know, we talk about separating the roles. And I get how the role separation makes sense a little bit because what we're saying is, like, yeah, different skill sets, different teams, like, that makes sense. But I would argue maybe that 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 maybe the role of a product owner should be more of a distributed uh, uh, team effort in some cases. So, like, if we think about, and here, I'll, I'll send this graphic over so we can kind of, kind of, pick it apart real quick. Yeah, but like, a question based on what you've already said when you get to a, a point. Oh, go, go for it. I'll jump, I'll jump back in on my diatribe later. Well, no, like, so as you're talking about like the role of product owner kind of swapping around, what that makes me think is like, well, then w- at what point is it really different than, than the scrum master role? <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Like there's actually overlap, right? Yeah. Um, I think, I think scrum master is like, 
kind of there to do rituals. Um, um, and, 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 but what they don't do is sort of like talk to a customer, right. Or well, we also said the product the owner backlog. usually don't either that the product manager is doing that. It depends. It depends. You're right though. Like, so no, no, this is Pop why this out. is so fucked up. Pop out answer. <laughs> no, it's a hundred percent why this is fucked up. So like in some places, the product owner is talking to the customer, but sometimes it's like in a narrow role. Like it's somebody that gave me feedback on my product or, it's something, you know, that I'm getting directly about, about my scope of influence and they're not getting sort of the bigger picture. Um, but they're not usually the people that are like on the ground, visiting people in person, like, you know, really understanding deeply their users needs. Um, in fact, I mean, generally that's a lot of UX's role as well, right. To get in there and really understand your user. Um, and I think the, the power struggle comes when, <laughs> so like there's this really interesting concept that Marty Kagan talks about in empowered, which talks about what responsibilities should the team have, right? And like what responsibilities should other members have? And I think some of the stuff when we think about like what a product owner should do, we think about, you know, hearing user feedback, prioritizing a backlog, like wouldn't a team benefit from owning more of that themselves? Like I found when I want engineers to feel engaged, the best way is for them to hear the user feedback themselves, mm -hmm. right? To like be part of the process. So like, I like the idea of a product owner as a, as a role that might be distributed amongst the team that could be held by several members, right? Like it's not just a person that, that manages the backlog. It could be maybe more of a combined activity. Um, and then if we think about like backlog prioritization. That's where maybe a higher level person in product could help give guidance. Like here's the direction we're going. But it feels like the team, at what point does the team have ownership and should the team own that well, kind of stuff? I mean, that's where I was going to head with that. Like, if you're talking about empowered, what what I would expect is that the team is is handed an outcome, right? And then the the product owner works with engineers and whoever else within the team to to figure out the best way to achieve that outcome, and and then prioritize that through the backlog mm -hmm. and into the sprint. But I will admit, uh, <clears throat> I am I've ignored. Agile a little bit because we never really have done Agile anywhere we've gone. We've been the th well, at least the companies that Nacho and I have been at together. <laughs> so I I agree yeah, where uh, I've been to. So like it, what I was going to say earlier is it's interesting to me this far into this industry, which I know is still you know fairly young compared to a lot of other industries, that we haven't been able to standardize this from from company to company. But there's there's I mean the recipe is there. Kagan's put it out. You know. It, but we all, it all just gets interpreted and deployed so differently depending on where we are that it's, it's a little crazy. Well, it's that big company mentality, right? They, 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 we have an organizational culture. We have a way of doing things. We have this new model that we think needs to apply. And we think, how can we shoehorn it in, in what already exists? Like, I remember the first few weeks uh, or months at ADP, I was walking around talking to the other people that called themselves product managers. <laughs> And they were like, oh, yeah, three weeks ago, I was something completely different, right? Um, I, was a, I was a project business manager, analyst. business analyst. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that was supposed to change, right? We just changed their role from business analyst to product we're manager. We're doing sprints now. It's yeah. Yeah, like, my job title change. We're doing it. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just smaller waterfalls, right? Like, that's right. No, that's an, and that's an excellent point. I think, you know, I, I remember having conversations with Scott Downey. I, I think you guys remember him. 
Um, from ADP, he worked with Sutherland really closely, who was you know the one of the original founders of of uh, of Scrum, uh, of Agile, of the Agile Manifesto, right? And mm. I think I think people forget that like Scrum and other other frameworks are a starting point, right? So almost a best practices framework for companies to be more agile, right? Agile is 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 what you are. Right, you either sense mm-hmm. something coming and you adapt to something coming, um, where Scrum is a process that you follow. Mm-hmm. Right, like I remember talking to other people and saying, like, when is like, are you are you agile? And you give them a little bit of a test, right? Like, well, do you do you stand ups? Oh yeah, we stand up every day, right? Do you do your post mortems? Are you? And you can go through all the rituals, and they're doing all the rituals. And I was like, okay, now how many times did your plans change? Yeah, because you detected something in production, and you and you knew you had to change direction, and then like. Nobody like nobody has done that. Yeah, yeah. They were they were too busy planning, you know, the 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 year out and and all that good stuff. <laughs> but we're agile. But we're going to sit down for a week and a half and do yearly planning. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, to to touch on the reason why I was asking, you know, the where the authority sort of lies there and decision making on what we're going to do and when. I, I've experienced it before where, you know, we have a product owner that is their their job title. It's not like right. a, a role that they have, you know, that that's actually. And then we also have product managers, both for the same product line. What what tended to happen at the place that I was at was that the, the product owner was the realist. They were the ones that were in the trenches with the engineers every day. They were the ones that were realistic about scope, had like a good idea on, you know, what our capacity was. And the product managers were the ones that were like out sort of promising everything to the customers and then getting mad when we like, you know, under delivered frequently. So like that to provide additional context, that's like what I've experienced with these two roles on the same team. Um, and so, like, in that sort of scenario, there was many times where, like, the product manager was basically calling the shots on what we communicated outward on a roadmap. Right. And then the product owner was very much subject to whatever we had communicated to the market because, you know, we had already put it out there. And it was like, okay, now we got to, like, scramble to check all these feature boxes off by the end of this quarter. Otherwise, we're in trouble. Well, see, this is where I worry about separating the roles, if, yeah. you, if, if I'm perfectly honest, right? Because... Your 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 product owner sounds more like a business analyst, yeah. And your product manager sounds more like uh, uh, more like an internal salesperson. Um, <laughs> which uh, look, I'll enterprise, be fair, enterprise software sales is sales is in in my in my DNA as well. Like it, it, I think good product people have a little bit of a little bit of sales in them. Uh, but you've got to temper it with the truth, right? You've got to temper it with honesty. And I think um, like it's really interesting. Like Eric mentioned something in a comment earlier where he said, you know, we get an objective kind of handed down for above. And that's kind of like the first problem, right? It's like, yeah, at the top level, here's the outcome we want to reach. Like I remember at a, at a previous organization one of the conversations was we need a chat bot. Hmm. And it's like, okay, how about instead of like saying in Q2, we need a chat bot. Let's say in Q2, we need to discover a solution that gets us closer to our customers that yeah. increases response time and improves the quality of the conversation that we're so- having. That's another thing that I'm really surprised our industry hasn't gotten better at. Because I keep coming across people that have been in this for 20 and 30 years who, um, within kind of that same vein, I know this is a little bit of a tangent for like, um, you know, OKRs or, or something like that, objectives, right? Like the objective is um, <clears throat> raise revenue 5%. It's like, mm-hmm. and then they try to like hand that down to the teams in, in, in some weird way. And it's like, it's too high. It's yeah. too high level. 
Well, there or, should be two, right? You should have an organizational outcome. So, say raise sales five percent. That's yeah. fine as a CEO. For organizational level, right? Fine. Yeah. yeah. Fine. But the the team then says, "Here's how we're going to approach that problem. Here's our outcome." Right. That that will help accomplish that goal. Yeah. At some level, you have to have a, a product strategy defined at, at some level between the CEO and the teams that are building. <laughs> yeah. And and the it you know. It, in a different, in a previous, in a previous company, that like revenue lift was also like along with it was attached like how the team was going to do it, and then hmm. that's where the real problem comes in, right? Like where it's like, you know, they're too far away from what the product actually does, where we yeah. are in the development cycle, what's already there or not, and the team should really be the closest one to say like, cool, with what we have available, with what we know from research, with what we know mm-hmm. from our work the best way to get to that 2% lift is X, Y, Z, and we're going to build it this way. So yeah. I, I guess that's what I'm sort of getting at with like talking about my past experience of having these roles split out. Nacho, you were talking about this too, is like, to me, the the best product teams that I've been on are the ones that are closest to the customer problem. And I feel like sometimes splitting these two roles apart, you end up with one person that is you know, potentially really close to the customer problem. And then another person that's maybe off, I don't know, doing something else (laughs) with their time selling or something. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, basically your, the quality of your roadmap and your decision-making comes down to how well do those two people get along or how well do those two people work together? Has, has anyone else seen between those two roles, like they both believe that they are close to the customer problem, but because of where they sit, they've got two very different ideas on what that problem is and how to how to approach it. Yeah, seeing the smile of recognition from Ryan over yes. there. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of a specific example. I think I think the what you said earlier is very like poignant, right? It like I, I've experienced it where maybe one is like, oh, we just need to build this thing. We just need a chatbot. We just need this. We just need a hub for this. You know, that'll solve all of our problems. And you know, maybe the person that's more on the ground, more close to the customer, is you know thinking a little bit. Uh, I don't know at a, at a smaller level of how we might get to a solution, but in an incremental way instead of like boiling the ocean. Yeah, well, incremental, I think, is is one one word to use. I think another is experimental, right? Yeah. Like we we sit here and we and we we scream uh, from all these big company mountaintops that we need innovation. We need innovation. Mm-hmm. We need innovation. Build a chatbot, right? Like yeah. like you, they're not the same. <laughs> the, they're not congruent, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like the the first problem that we try to identify from leadership is they don't think in objectives. They don't do the work. To take to take a feature and turn it into object, objectives, like oftentimes what I hear, especially from big companies, is the analysts are saying this. Yeah, the CEO translates what from the analysts they think they need to to accomplish, and then they give these marching orders to the leaders to go and execute. Yeah, right. Which which it should be is the leader should take what the analysts are like, continue to do the work if that's the orientation you want to have, but then. Take that in context of what your vision is for the company, what your principles are, and then translate them into outcomes that your team can work forward. So instead of saying, right, build the chatbot, the outcome is we know if we get closer to our customers this quarter, we could, you know, dramatically do these things as an organization. And then the team could experiment. Like, well, we think this solution might work. We also think this might work. We're going to plan an experiment to try both. 
right? Or do one and fail on the other, or here's the metrics we're going to track, right? Like we don't get enough of that, that back and forth when we think about planning and, and doing this work. I, I think an example of like a real world that I know we've all experienced at some point or another is like, you know, the company says that we need a platform or we need like a single point of access or, you know, whatever you, you're working at an enterprise company. They've had this broad portfolio. They say we need a platform and that's like the high level directive, but like because of the way that gets staffed and prioritized at a high level, as it like boils down, it never seems to focus on the actual experience problem that you're trying to solve. And so you don't like start with, okay, we need people to have a single login to get into things. Like we need to consolidate like key workflows and like, instead it's just like, oh, we need a platform. So we go off in a corner and we build a new UI platform and like, that's the new thing. We did it. You know, platforms here, <laughs> something like that. Uh, yeah, guilty. We've, I mean, too real. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, you know, I've been through that a number of times now, and it's just yeah. it's. Um, I was gonna get snarky in the beginning. I was like, well, what if you do need a platform? Because in those cases, you do. We we do. We just it just gets it's just lost in translation and built in some weird way that doesn't actually serve what the quote unquote platform was supposed to to do for for the experience. Yeah. yeah, well, I can think back to like Eric, you and I, when we were we were starting at uh, ADP and we had to build a platform. I'm going to go back and call out the an example. Although I can be honest, I've, like, we've done this kind of thing several times. And and I remember the first thing we did is we started to ask ourselves, what problem does this solve? Yes. Right. Leadership wasn't giving it to us. So we we sat down and we talked to our users and we got the data that we could and we um, and we said, well, what do we think the problem solves? And we built a vision principles that we used to help build what we ended up building, right? You, so I, I think that's the second time you've, you've said uh, at least principles and, and maybe vision because we were talking about uh, analysts and then leaders and, and leaders just kind of like yeah. blindly doing what, what analysts uh, are, are thinking. Like I, The thought there, and I know this is off topic a little bit, is... Um, like that's the difference between I don't want to say I don't want to say a good place to work and a bad place to work. <laughs> There's a lot of factors in that. Good product orgs and bad product orgs. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because sure. like without those principles and without the vision of of what you're trying to do, then it's just all reactive, right? And you're just getting mm-hmm. like jerked left and right or whatever, like quarter to quarter based on analysts or based on investors or board. Like it's just um, so when I think about some of the most frustrating times, um, it was when those principles uh, didn't exist, or or they were they were face value or, or whichever. No, you're 100 percent right. Like the way I see a product strategy coming together is at the top, you've got the business objectives, right? Whatever the CEO wants, what are we measuring? What are the metrics we need to track? What are the goals? For the year, for the five years, it doesn't matter really. Like, what is the business mission? Below that, the funnel, like the next layer down where we sort of start to narrow in a little bit, is the product vision and principles, right? Where does this product go? Where do we think it belongs? And what are the things we believe are true uh, as we get there, right? What are the what are the guardrails? And honestly, I like thinking about the vision and principles as a way of building a framework for prioritization and making decisions, right? It should be tactical as much as like uh, a good a good feely uh, uh, a statement as well. But you should be able to make decisions based on it, right? Yeah. Like we Same prioritize with, trust, right? Oh, yeah. go ahead. 
I was going to say same thing with design principles, right? Like if you can't make yeah. a decision based off of those principles and they're not, they're not right. They, you need to go back to them. Yeah. They're not serving you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like one of the big questions product people uh, ask me in interviews all the time is like, how do you prioritize? I'm like, well, what are your principles? What's your vision? Right. Like I can tell you about the Kano model and the rice model and all these other prioritization principles all day, but what does that matter if it doesn't serve your vision? If it doesn't meet the, the the structure of your principles, and then like the next funnel down is what are your what can your team do? What are your capabilities? What is mm-hmm. what does the team have? And then from there, really, what you have is is the beginning of your product strategy. Um, and then I think from that, what you have is you have sort of the framework now to go to your teams and say, okay, based on our objectives, based on what your your goals are and what your team can do, what can you bring to help solve these business problems? Right, and this like conversation never happens right it's, mm-hmm. we just like give team a the mobile product we give team b the whatever and so saying here are objectives teams what do you want right like what's exciting to you what do you think you you will have a meaningful crack at so to bring it back full circle do you feel that the quality of of you know outputs from a product team are based on on how well they can sort of balance the the PO and PM shaped functions, whether that's one person or two people. I mean, the answer is it depends on how close it is to the user's needs, right? Yeah. Like, like how we get there kind of doesn't matter. Um, like, I can I can honestly say I've had product owners that are fantastic uh, that follow the Scrum role that have never been sort of a product manager per se. Um, that have delivered amazing products, right? Um, I've also seen them fuck it up just as quickly as well. Um, I was actually uh, uh, talking to somebody, uh, um, uh, uh, one of the one of the product people at Vowel, and um, they uh, had a really interesting line that I remember, which was, um, "Nobody can can fuck up a team faster than a bad product manager." Um, <laughs> right, and and that's kind of what you're describing when you have that like fighting. What you've done now is you just created this toxic environment that will just drive ambiguity with the team. They're not close to the right. Yeah, they're not close to the customer problem, right? And that's really what we're getting at: is everybody on the team, you know, whoever is in, you know, PO, PM, whatever role, they just have to be aligned to the customer problem and and be focused on that and deliver it and deliver. (laughs) If we spent half as much time talking about the actual customer problem. As we did defining and scheduling ceremonies, we'd be in a very <laughs> interesting space. Right. And that's exactly the problem, right? Like we we prioritize these ceremonies um, instead of the outcomes, right? The mm-hmm. outputs, the the engaged teams. Um, like it's really interesting, especially in a large organization. You'll see a team that's sort of like they're killing themselves, they're staying up late at night, they're so hardcore. And you got this like laid back team. And they're like, oh, they're just like lazy goof offs. They leave early every Friday. But the laid back teams are usually the ones where I see like better customer results necessarily, mm-hmm. right? Where the other ones are like scrambling to meet deadlines. I I, I misplanned. I did what right? it like they're right. playing well, hero instead of like delivering value. Yeah. Never never confuse like activity with like productivity and value, right? Like just that's... because Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's all good. I've been interrupting people all day. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not sure. I think what you're describing is like, it, you know, it's an indicator of like team focus, right? Like if you're focused on what you're trying to solve and you're not, um, you know, communicating upward that your uh, capacity goes beyond that, then your team's going to, you know, focus on what they can focus on and 
they're not going to be scrambling for because you're not putting them on the hook for everything under the sun with the broader organization and being like, oh yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. Yeah. That's part of it. But a big part of it is also kind of what Eric was talking about, which is like the culture, right? Yeah. Which is like, we have a culture of looking busy, right? Like you've got the guy that shows up and like wants to put on a good show. He won't leave until everyone else is gone. You know what I mean? Like that develops expectations that internal priorities are more important than external priorities, right? Like it's not about what you deliver to the customers, about what bosses see you do. And so like when we talk about reforming, <laughs> yeah, I love the, you, did, did you have a thought there? That is a smack of recognition. Well, I mean, this gets into a whole other topic, but the, 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 and I'm sure you've both experienced basically the same thing, right? Like you're, you're, you're at your desk, you're at wherever, right? And you're focused in and you're beating your head against a problem and you come up with something that like could probably fix it or, or whichever. And then like you, you, you push away and you go make dinner or you go walk your dog or you do whatever. And like within that period of time where someone would think you're goofing off or it's a bike ride sometimes for me, like, yeah. It all comes into clarity in a way that uh, it's, it's either better or moves past that stuck piece. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so over the, 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 the time and chair fucking idea of, of getting work done and getting creative things done that, I don't know, and it can be abused for sure, but that space away from, from quote unquote, looking busy is some of, uh, is where like some of my best stuff has come from. One of the best things I took away from my time at Wayfair was being able to work with Gary Hall. Um, he's CPO of a different company now, but um, Gary uh, uh, was was the one that introduced me. This it's a kind of an old topic, which is work like a lion, not like a cow, right? Like the cow just sort of chews all day <laughs> and slowly kind of you know gets that cut going. He's like, but instead, like work like a lion, like rest when you need to rest. When you're in the zone, fucking kill it, right? Yeah. And and learn to pull back. One of the things that's really interesting is, um, especially in product, and yeah, we'll 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 wrap up in a minute. But I think this is an interesting interesting thing to talk about. Is um, we think about product. One of the things we talk about a lot is product instinct. Do you have good product instinct? And I think really what that means is is how well are you at 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 doing exactly what you're talking about? Taking the walk, taking the bike ride, being creative trusting your subconscious, right? Learning how to, and so like, that's an instinct you can develop. Like my mentees, I, I actively do activities with them to help them learn to channel or listen to what their, their subconscious or their instinct is telling them. That's a muscle you can develop. Yeah. I was, I was thinking about this yesterday, like it's topical because, um, I don't know, around three o'clock or so yesterday, uh, brain was done. Like just like I was beating my head against a problem. Um, brain was done. Uh, I had uh, some other things I needed to do around the house. I work from home. It's like, cool. I'm just going to step away from here. And, um, uh, so I went and, and I went to the grocery store. I did all this like other random shit. And then in the background, kind of like, you know, between the drive here and there thinking about things. And then at about seven 30, um, like this flood of thought came in and then like, there was a two hour little session on my whiteboard last night that just like knocked it all out. And, you know, bought me half my morning back this morning. <laughs> so like, it, it, that's, that's something that like just wouldn't happen if you were forced to sit in a chair between eight and yeah. five thirty, Right. Like, cause by the time you went home at five thirty, you'd be like, fuck this place. I'm out. <laughs> and, <laughs> hey, I don't know. Whole other topic, but I got the glass of wine waiting for me when I get home. Yeah. You are home. <laughs> <laughs> that's, this right. is just water. This is, <laughs> That's lunch. 
<laughs> Lunch? What time zone are you in? <laughs> no, I'm talking about the wine. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. A little rosé with uh, a little a little tuna sandwich or something, right? Uh, that's right. A hearty red with a burger. There you go. Um, awesome. I think we I think we picked this topic apart, and I think we've got some really great ideas to talk about in the future as well. Yeah, we've I had like nineteen maybe, different tangents, which are mostly my fault. Sorry. No, that's okay. This the, I think we should just rename this podcast the podcast of tangents. That's right. Um, which is which is I think part of the hopefully part of the appeal of all of our three listeners. So. Um, enjoy the tangents, <laughs> enjoy the show. Right. And, uh, I think we'll come up with some good, some good conversation for next time. Yeah. So let's move on. Uh, let's talk about what made us smile last week. Ooh, should I go first? Let's go first. go first. Do you want to go what first? Did you, what did you get? What did you get? I'll, I'll go first. All right. Okay. I guess it's simple. So, and this harkens back to my like recovering Xbox fanboy piece. Um, I got a PlayStation five and um, I started playing God of War, and it's a fantastic game. Like, I haven't had a okay. good, like, story-driven campaign game in my hands in a very long time. And this completely satisfies that need, and it made me smile. It's even made me, like, chuckle a couple times. So, it's good. Are you playing, so you're playing the first one? No. So, I, because of the, the, the bundle I bought, I got uh, God of War Ragnarok, and I got about 10 minutes into that. And I was like, holy shit, this is great. Um, so then I wanted to know more of the backstory for the the Norse part, the, the Nordic part of the story. Uh, so yes. I went back to the 2018 and I'm starting from there. So I'm, okay. I've been, I'm a couple hours. Yeah. Not, not all the other stuff. I, I read up on the other stuff. I was like, no, I just, I'll just stick to uh, the 2018 on one. So I'm actually, I stopped oh. playing Ragnarok and I'm on the 2018 one right now. Sorry, by nice. by the first one, I meant the 2018 one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that's like the fourth one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I meant the the first of the Nordic ones. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah cuz I, I did the same thing cuz like I got a, I I got a PS5 and you know, that's one of those PlayStation franchises that Yeah. you know, you've always seen and so I like <clears throat> I saw Ragnarok was coming out and I I played it and uh I did start Ragnarok. I haven't gotten super far in it yet, but uh yeah, it's it's definitely uh something I'm chipping my way through. Yeah, it is. I, it is really good. I, I wish there were. I, I know everything's going multiplayer, but I, I just really wish there were more of those story-driven kind of single-player campaigns out there. I don't. I don't play multiplayer games usually, so that's like <laughs> my bread and butter is pretty much all single-player stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> Elden Ring, man. Elden Ring is calling. Just it's stop. Calling. Oh, stop. It's calling you. Stop. It's calling. <laughs> Oh, welcome to the Sony and the PlayStation family. Well, you're on the right side of the gaming industry now. So, okay. So, like, as, a, comes out. As, as a recovering Xbox fanboy, right? Like, I saw this meme the other day, which I won't get, really get into, but it was basically just, like, highlighting the fact that, like, every platform has its, its pluses and its minuses, and you can enjoy all of them, and you don't have to uh, think that only one is the best. Yeah, I, I all agree that you don't have to think that one is the best, but it is nice to have a PlayStation Five. Well, so but I've got an Xbox, I've got a PlayStation, I've got a Switch. Sure, sure. If you can afford them all, get them all, right? Why not? Why not? Like, I think you're right. Excluding them just because you're a fanboy is 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 bullshit. That's but right. you know, if you yeah. have to pick one, PlayStation Five. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> 
I will. And, I will probably die on that hill. Um, and Nacho, I think I'm familiar with your thing that made you smile. Surprisingly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that made me fi- smile was the surprise. At least surprise to me. I'm sure lots of people that that follow Apple a lot closer than I do knew about this. But um, I don't know if you guys have played with Apple Freeform yet. I have. Um, but I, holy I'm, shit, it's great. I'm curious. On I have not played with it yet, but I know both of you have at least uh, been inside Mural and Miro. Like how. How does it compare? Is it better? Like, what do you think? I think so. W- the The thing I like about this tool over many other tools is I feel like it gets out of your way more. It feels more like paper, mm-hmm. um, and it feels more like you've got like just a big board that you're just going to fuck around on. Yeah. And so it reminds me a little bit more of like OneNote in that in that respect. So, mm. um, like Mural, Mural, both have a lot of advantages, but I think their framework is not as creative. As mm. at least what for what I want in freeform, like I love that you have got handwriting. I love that you get drawings. Like it's basically made for things like tablets and phones. Yeah. Um, and then you can like start a document on your iPad and then continue it on your Mac and then back to your phone. You get another idea. Mm. You go in and sketch something. And I'm Apple. really enjoying it. It's Apple only, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, so that yeah. I mean, Nacho sort of hit the the nail on the head for me too. It's it's. It's more focused around, and I, I actually just recently got an iPad too. So it's more focused <laughs> around like that drawing experience. Cause I don't know if you've ever tried to use like a, a tablet or even like a, a drawing, uh, I don't know, pad. Yeah. With, like a Cintiq. Uh, yeah. Like a Cintiq with mural or any of those tools, no. but it does not, it does not cut it at all. No, I could, I could see that. So yeah, that to me has been like the real big difference is like, it's focused on the pencil mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yes. I love it. I think it's great. All right, let's 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 create a mural. Let's create one of these little freeform boards afterwards and see how how, how see. fucked up we can make it. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the idea, and I love the idea of being able to like effectively use my my iPad as like a a, a big whiteboard and, and do that. Like just you know, obviously within within the work context, so many different people have different devices, do different things. It's just it's yeah. it's a bummer, you know. Hey, all 20 people at my company all have Macs. We're good. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> they probably all have PlayStations too. No, no. <laughs> Only a couple of us do, but you know. That's because we have good taste. <laughs> <laughs> and and strong decision-making skills. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, thank you for tuning into the Your Ideas Hug podcast presented by Flexibility, and thanks for checking out our latest episode. This is your reminder that any views that we express on the podcast are not representative of our employers or any previous employers. Thanks again. See you next time.